Before we start this week's episode of For the Taste, I wanted to give condolences and respect and blessings to the life and the memory of Mr. George Floyd, who was unfortunately taken down in a violent act that was put across every media platform known to man. We at For the Taste want to make sure that his family know that we care about what happened. We will not be silent. We'll do our best to be able to make the message be known of the injustices that are going on currently in the streets of our country. An old African proverb states, the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to fill its warmth. Right now, what we're seeing out there is some of that fire starting to blaze, not only physically, but mentally. Whatever you do out there during these next couple of days, be safe, and more importantly, be aware. Rest in paradise, Mr. Floyd. Invest in myself, you know, and, yep, and get yep. the materials that were necessary to, to be able to record from the crib. Yep. And, you know, now at this point, we've transitioned to being able to record from home. The next step's out probably in the next three to nine months, depending on how the Rona ends up treating us. We look to move into a new property and depending on how much extra change left over, truly build out recording space. And then the other thing right. too was I'm looking to try to find additional ways to bring in income. You gotcha. know, I enjoy what I do and you know, I love still being able to move around all that, but wise men say you can't become wealthy unless you've got three lines of income coming in at all times. Yep. Sit there and, and say like, all right, I, I want to be able to get to it. You know, when, when I get time yeah. to be able to sit down and do it, you know, more so like the time is now, and this is even before the Rona hit where yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, you got to at least consider doing it. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. still not ideal just yet, but the cool thing is, is, is the rig that I've set up now, I'm able to take it when I do work. Oh, okay, okay, for sure. Yeah. That was my uh that was my aspect on the bus, man. Yeah. You know, you know, with me, dude, it was you know, I, I don't know if you know, but after after Clark, I went to Portland State. Okay. Um, I don't know if you knew that. I went to Portland State after Clark. I came I came home four years, I went to Portland State, and it was on the squad and everything, ended up breaking my ankle and that was that. And see now so, I remember when you was at Clark that you used to have to rock the ankle braces. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ankles always been bad. So that's when I broke my ankle, that was that. Finished up, you know, wrapped up that kind of wrapped up the college thing and then, you know, did started coaching the little semi pro team, the Vancouver Volcanoes. Okay. So I rocked with him for a little bit, you know, rocked with him for maybe about, you know, six, seven months, a little semi-pro thing. And uh, so that was it, man. I came home, dude, became a cop. I don't know if you knew that. You know that? But, but Duffy's, a, Duffy's a fireman still. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, Duffy's still a fireman. Yeah. His, you know, his pops was a fireman back then. So yeah. he got in. Salute to, you know. to Duff, man, the first responders, man. That's what's up. For real. Yep, yep. So yeah, Duff out there doing his thing. He in Long Beach. You know, I was a cop for about five, about five years. Cool, man. Good benefits. Good job, dude. But at the end of the day, turn on the ground that we see every day. I, I knew that 10 years ago, 12 years ago. So now, I knew. You, you, you know, just I, basically hit something that it, it wasn't going to be an initial question I was going to bring up, but I got to ask on it. Uh, yeah. With you being out there in Southern California, that, uh -huh. that's a hotbed for, for activity, you know, where the blue has been brought up into question. Mm -hmm. that, that point that you just said that we've been seeing those kind of instances, or you've been seeing those for years during your time on the force and now after, mm -hmm. you know, just initial thoughts on, on what you saw or the, the recent string of unfortunate happenings. You, you know what, man, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, it's unfortunate. I think, you know, and I'm not going to give my political views, but I'll say with the election of our newly president, it seems that the bigots have he kind of opened the door for the bigotry to be put on the front hole right so he kind of you know 
I look at it. I look at it kind of like a like a drug, like a heroin, like a heroin addict, right? You know, a heroin addict before they're on heroin, they know that the, the heroin is bad for them. They know that it's they know that it's bad. They know what it's going to do. They know it's going to take them from a from one state to another. And it's just like you know, these policemen, these bigots. It's like you know, they know racism is bad. You know, it's not a blatant you know n i g g e r this, but you know their actions show it. And it's like they know that it's wrong. They know godly that it's wrong, but it, it's like a drug. They they go towards the racism versus go away from it right so you hear about all these you know all the karens and stuff on instagram you know it's easy to just turn turn and walk away but instead of it seems like people are more embracing their racism now and with law enforcement as well you know it, it, it seems as though that uh it seems as though there's more of it that the bullhorn has gone out instead of the dog whistle exactly you know because there's, exactly. there's, there's things that we know that our parents and i got a, a few years on you you uh Y'all used to give me and shouts out to my kinfolk D Hall noise and it because we was uh, super duper sophomores as far as with age, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> our family still came along in, in similar eras. And you know, you sit around the, the dinner table with your big mama, your mama, your uncles. They used to talk about their injustices and the things that they would see working in the backgrounds of mm-hmm. what they were trying to get through with, and they would use that term, that dog whistle, you know, concept. To your point that what's happened over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to a lot of people, it switched it from just being a background whistle to a full-fledged horn of them being able to accept what's going on and making their voice be louder than what it needs to be. And, you know, unfortunately, we we saw that, again, rear its ugly head as of this recording within the last couple days. Right. Mm -hmm. I'd like to I'd like to share a story, you know, and, you know, I was a deputy of Riverside County Sheriff's here. I got in the department at about 2000. I went in with 2005. I went in on November 2005. Did my time, you know, did my time in the jail there. Did, and went to the academy, worked in jail there for afterwards about two years, two and a half years, then got out to patrol, right? I'm working on patrol, and, and this is just one example. I'm working on patrol. Well, I'm a patrol officer, and I go back into the jail to work an overtime shift because they're all, you know, the jail's here, police stations here, courthouses here. It's all one big thing. So I go back into the jail to work an overtime shift, right? It's a graveyard shift. We're doing court pool which means that next morning people have to get ready for court which is at like 6 a.m they got to get pulled at like five do all their stuff yeah i've heard of that experience Mm -hmm. so we're doing a court pool mind you i'm on overtime um i get into it with the i get into it with the white supremacist right he's just mouthing off not going with the program everyone you know everyone knows the program right so he's not going along he's just you know mouthing off nothing too drastic i you know i I put him a little chicken wing up against the wall that's when we pull their arm behind their back and like kind of put a little pressure on it right so i'm just putting him up against the wall talking to his ear like bro come on man i don't want to come on dude don't make me do extra work right Right. (laughs) um just keep just keep it simple go with the program so with this you know dude turns falls 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 on the ground we fall together but i still got him in a chicken wing cool so now 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 i'm on his back like basically like straddling him about to arrest him right about to put him in cuffs Mm -hmm. no big deal happens every time right my corporal my corporal who's also on the corporal sees what's happening he comes over kicks the guy in the head boom still toe boots right to the head right guys gushing blood i mean it's the type of blood you you know you got a good kick it's a type of blood that you see in the movie that that that's that's squirting out right i don't know what he did but from his head it's like that right so everyone's panicking blah 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 we take him to medical he gets cleaned up do all the stuff stitched up and everything that you know maybe a couple hours later i get a call to the office hey uh, richardson come down to corporal's office corporal will talk to you you got the report cool go down to there no, no, well, take that back. Not cool, right? 
because I don't even work in the jail. I'm a I'm a patrol deputy. Yeah, you're being brought right? into something that you didn't have right, to right. control. Right, exactly, exactly, right. Corporal calls me in, even though I'm a patrol deputy and he's a corporal in the jail, he still has ranking over. It's 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 a paramilitary, you know, it's the same chain of command, right? So my next training off, my next level up tells me, Richardson, you got the report. I wasn't there. When you guys scuffled, he fell down, hit his head on the concrete, and that's how his head started bleeding. Report to do 06 tomorrow morning or 08 tomorrow morning or whatever. Okay. So now he's basically telling me to lie and there's cameras on every nth degree of the jail, right? Now keep in mind, I'm about four years in the department, fairly new still, fairly compared to guys on patrol, fairly new. So long story short, I write the report. Okay. Unfortunately, what happened happened. I had to, I tried, you know, I did the best that I could to proper word things, but at the end of the day, your boot hit his head. You know, that's, that's what has to happen, you know? So next thing you know, you know, the report gets turned in, you know, a couple of weeks, months pass. I actually about, actually about, uh, about a month pass. I'm coming back into, you know, going back to my normal, normal command, the police station coming into work, you know, we're in there getting, getting ready for our shift guys in the locker room, getting dressed, talking shit like we normally do. Hey, what's up, Kennedy? No word from Kennedy. Kennedy's the only other black dude in the department in, in on the, on the command with, he won't even look me in the eye. Okay. Okay. You know, everybody else, Thompson, what's up, my dude? You know, no contact. Dude, I got blackballed because of that event right there. That corporal was 26 years into which into the, the department because I didn't clean up. I didn't lie for him. That was it for me. So with me, I noticed, you know, like I said, a month passed. I noticed I'm speaking to people. Nobody's, you know, no one's, uh, I'm not getting the resp- same response I'm usually getting. We're not shooting the shit. I'm not getting uh, invited to go to the river to, to them, you know, what's this, have a suit. I'm not getting invited there anymore. White boys are going every weekend, but they wouldn't, you know, once that happened, I got no more invites. So for me, I, I knew what it was, you know, and that was just one instance. You know, that, that was just one example, but I knew what it was right away. So, you know, it was easy for me to say, at the end of the day, this is just a job. This is just a means to financial. You know, this is just a means to get my finances, a house, car, et cetera. Yeah. I can do this anywhere. I can I can make this money up anywhere. So for me, it was easy to walk away. It was a no-brainer. It was, it was fairly simple, so, you know. Do you think that, that folks that have seen those kind of instances, you know, that they feel like they're hooked into a point to where they don't feel getting out? They're in too deep. Okay. I'm going to tell you what, most, most, all, I would say, not most, any black man, any black officer that's grown up in our era, know what's up. Any real black person know, know what it is, right? So most dudes, I, I got into it. My reasoning for actually joining was... Well, shit, I needed money. I was done with the Vancouver Volcanoes basketball. That ended, you know, it ended in July. School was done. I'm like, me and me, they broke up. I'm like, dude, what we, <laughs> I got to go. So my next thing was law enforcement. You know, I was like, I, I, I don't have a criminal background. I'm good to go. So got in fairly easy, went through that. Um, but most dudes, they do the same thing. You know, it's basically for the money for us, right? It's for the money. It was no power thing for me. It was for the money. But most dudes, the, the money gets so good you know one two years in they got boats houses suburbans you know they they can't go nowhere you know i mean think about this if you're 22 years old and you spend 15 years in law enforcement and then get out of it and try to go find another job you ain't gonna get hired nowhere you have no experience in anything 
right? Dealing with the population, but you really have no experience in sales. You have no experience in finance. You have no experience in economics. You have no experience in history. You have no experience in business. None of those is going to help you in the real world. It's funny, man, because I, I, my bad dude, I get on this topic a lot, but I cut a lot of cops still, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my homeboys still come to me, you know, to get haircuts. And I was talking to one of my dudes yesterday. He's a San Bernardino County Sheriff. Just, I swear, just yesterday, two o'clock, he was just like, dude, I'm so over this. He's like, man, I want to, I want to get out so bad. He's like, he's, I want to get out so bad. He was like, but I'm worried I won't be able to do anything. I'm worried I won't be able to make the money that I'm making now. It's going to be a while to, you know, to find something like that. I don't have a degree. I don't have this. I don't have that, you know, and that's everybody's situation. So when they, when they get in, actually get into law enforcement and they know that that's situation, they want to do whatever they can do to keep that job now, right? To, to be seen as, you know, oh, he's a, oh, you know, he's a, he's a badass. Oh, Thompson's a badass. Kennedy's a badass. So they're going to go above and beyond, you know, they're not going to give you a, you know, that, you know, it's a kind of hard to explain, but you know, with me, dude, when I dealt with, when I dealt with the public, I dealt with the public, like they were, you know, a, a college friend, like, you know, like you guys, you know, hey, what's up, man? What's going on? But dude, come on, man. Come talk to me. Let's, let's, let's come on. Let's chop it up. What's up? You know, just, just, you know, simple, but people saw that for me, you know, they looked at that as, oh, he's too nice. He's not a fucking badass. Right. You know, like it was kind of, I don't know, the, the white boy saw that as a threat. Folks started looking at you as a threat because you didn't ride the line. Right. So how did that ended up uh, like accelerating your thoughts about getting out? If you're talking about that, you still see folks that you know, you cut right. during your transition and now they want to get out and they feel locked in because like you brought up, most of them been doing this for so long that they didn't build mm -hmm. out any of the skills. And probably in a lot of these forces, they're not really trying to enrich these guys to go out and learn other skills either because they might no, have that, that aha moment and try to get out. Of course. So check this out. Here's a, to, to add to that, I have a friend named Dale, this dude, master's degree, smart, smartest dude you the smartest dude you'll talk to just locked in i mean just locked in on life dude knows a you know just locked in right smartest dude you'll talk to so his whole as a kid he's wanted to be a cop it's all he wanted to do was be a cop since he was about six years old dale wanted to be a cop right so his thinking, not knowing anything about law enforcement, his thinking is I'm going to get the highest education I can and then go into law enforcement and be a lieutenant, sergeant, whatever it may be, right? Not going to happen. He's in shape, yoked up, smart, very smart, you know, but will not get hired by any agency out here, any agency, none in California. He's applied for maybe 30 different agencies in the state of California. None have hired him, passed every test, flying colors, passed every single one, flying colors, physical, mental, everything, would not get hired. And the reason why he won't get hired is because they don't exactly like you said they don't want somebody coming in smarter than them with a ha-ha moment right in order to be a cop all you need is a high school diploma most guys that come into law enforcement only have a high school diploma they want to be able to mold you the way they want to mold you if you got a degree and you got a uh, if you got a master's degree in whatever it may be you're smarter than your sergeant you're smarter than your lieutenant you're smarter than your captain so i guarantee they nine i guarantee 80 percent of them don't so they don't you know how is that going to look i got a i got a guy i've been in law enforcement 15 years now i got a dude coming into the academy with a master's degree it's a conflict of interest so puts they're not going to hire tilt. that person definitely puts them on tilt right off the bat exactly right off the bat. exactly so they're not going to hire that person he will not he will not get in they want somebody dumb yes sir uh go jump off the wall okay go run down the street okay yes sir anything with any free thought free thinking no good and that point right there is a money topic because the, the free thought actually 
actually having cognitive awareness. And, and a lot of these things that you're seeing happen across the country, some of them ending in, you know, death, a lot of them ending in unnecessary violence and just abuse in some ways of power. It seems like it's no actual concept of thought. It's just right. do what you've been told to do and it's going to be covered kind of. It, right, it's exactly. Just, it's, it's weird seeing. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, to me, man, you know, unfortunately, see everything and my experiences and everything, there needs to be divine intervention. There will be divine intervention because, you know, basically civil rights era ended in the 1960s. So we think. So we've been told, <laughs> right? Same thing is still happening to this day, if not more. Like, it seems like it's being accelerated, yep. right? It seems like it's like, okay, you know, this is what we're going to do. Go do it. You know, I was telling my buddy the other day, I'm like, dude, it seems like you guys actually get debriefed before shift to like, like mess with black and brown. <laughs> I mean, that's what it, that's the, that's the image. I think everyone kind of feels now. Yeah. If, if you do a YouTube video search and just put in pulled over by police, confrontation the first two pages you got to scroll pretty far damn near to the bottom of the second page before you might see somebody that's not a person of color right and, and when you know that most of these populations you know african americans make up about 12 percent of the national census but when you do those inquiries online, it seems like we just basically flood the whole population. And I know that that's not true, mm -hmm. you know. So the disproportion of what it seems like being handled out there, it's evident, you know. Right. I've and we've went through through similar places living up there in the cool of the Pacific Northwest and coming up in some culturally diverse neighborhoods and colleges, right. you have that experience of being able to interact with different folks. And bro, we didn't see folks when, when a party went on and the mm -hmm. cops came over because it was too loud and old buddy ended up sitting there getting busy with the cops and ranting, hooting and hollering mm -hmm. and nothing happened. Nothing happened. I'm a 41 year old mm -hmm. black male that keeps himself above board and doesn't do anything that would be considered criminal or felonious. And because of my upbringing and just the society that we came around in, if I see lights on top of their car innately I tense up and until oh, yeah. the general public has that same kind of internal feeling they will never be able to understand what's going on or not right. try to understand what's going on right right I, I, I totally agree I, I totally agree and stand up to you because even when you were an officer of the law you looked at it more as of having a conversation to break down a problem versus escalate a problem by being agitated and seeing what happens yeah no yeah of course man it's like dude at the end of the day man look at the end of the day we're all here Humans. At the end of the day, God has put love into our body, right? So if I'm encountering somebody, if I go to a call, I dictate that interaction, right? As a police officer, I dictate how I, I dictate how that interaction goes. Okay, so if I want to have a great interaction, it's gonna be a great interaction, right? If I want it to be a shitty interaction, it's gonna be a shitty one. Simple as that. You know, it's like it's it's kind of hard to explain, but you know, it's um it's kind of it's kind of like a thing if you watch like first 48 or something like that, and, and you hear the police officer say, uh, warrant from the judge, it depends on how he's feeling today. You know, you could be like, Oh no, we need more. Like, you know, and that's the, for me, within law enforcement, dude, that was the, that was a scary part for me. It was so based off of your own human um, emotions, right? How you, how people are dealt with. And most cops, you know, <laughs> I'm going to just be 100% sure you know, most cops are guys who were picked on in high school, smaller dudes, smaller, you know, you got, you got, you, you got about half and half. You got about half that come in through military and squared away. And then you got half who are just fresh off the street, don't know shit, don't know nothing. And it's five months later, they got a gun and badge. And now, you know. And to not cut off at that point, but I want to recall back to something else that you said. Let's say that the total 
pool of police officers, but let's cut the number down and say, you know, 45, 45, you know, 45 of them being, like I said, the runts or the ones that are right. picked on, you know, in adolescence. So now they want to be the bad, badass with the badge. The other right. are folks coming in from the military. Those scars that some of them may have had if they were active, you know, mm-hmm. and seeing things. And now they're coming into civilian activity. Mm-hmm. You brought up earlier that you had just a buddy that his mm-hmm. dream as a child was to serve and protect. And it seems like they're in the very small minority. So you have close to, let's just lowball and say nine tenths of every officers that are out there, that it wasn't their passion and their goal oh, no. to yeah. be out there and protect and serve. Right. No, of course. Of course not. Of course. And, and you know, you know, what's funny, man, as an officer, dude, you see the ones who are passionate about it. You see the ones who are assholes and you see the ones who you were the runt in high school. You, I mean, it's, you know, the, the ones who are passionate about it, those are kind of like the dorky officers kind of talk, kind of dorky, linky looking dudes, not really, you know, they kind of have a certain look and a certain person. I mean, it's a personality for sure. The military guys, you know them right away. You can tell them right away again. And then, you know, the other guys, you know, those guys right away, but it's, it's crazy because, you know, they, they, you know, it's crazy because they try to get basically everybody up to speed on the same page, right? But, you know, again, like you said, people coming in from Afghanistan, Iraq, there's, you know, and then this guy just graduated high school two years ago. It's like, hasn't been doing anything, working at, you know, Walmart or TJ Maxx or some crap. Like, it's a big difference of personalities that you're trying to manage to go police the public. Yeah. You know, so that's why, you know, that's why you have one officer who's on somebody's neck and everyone else is standing around like, uh, what do we do? What's going on? Like, you know what I mean? No one's fully confident or aware aware of you know to step up and be the difference maker in a situation like that you know like they don't feel comfortable enough to be able to have true empathy of being a person right instead of riding for that color it's in a lot of ways it's a very trumped up version of what we see of them same police officers that tend to try to tell folks that might be banging how dumb they are for riding and doing all that stuff for a block that they don't own but they're riding that line for an organization that they don't control dude that's the biggest gang in the world man oh without question (laughs) the biggest gang in the world you know and it's you know what i used to tell people i'm like it's crazy because a police officer will do an illegal act to catch somebody doing something that's not legal oh uh i just finished up with i went from three weekends ago i had heard a lot of positive feedback about snowfall it's a dope series rest in peace john i know you know what everybody be talking about that too at the shop man Man, i I went through all three seasons basically over the course of the last three weekends like three or four days knock out four five episodes and you know i'm not gonna give away the whole story, but a lot of it has connections to stories that we grew up hearing about, like the Freeway Ricky Raw story, the Iran Contra right. deal, mm-hmm. and, and that in itself, that a community was essentially corrupted outside, I'm sorry, inside out off of a product that was being used to help fuel a drug and turf war that our government wanted us to be a part of. Right. That they that they put out, that mm-hmm. they went out and flew to Columbia and bought the drugs and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's a uh, yeah, dude. It's along with you. So, so back, back to the top, back to that, like with me and law enforcement, man, it was, you know, it was very bittersweet. I'm not going to lie. It was bittersweet, dude. I'm glad that I had the experience. I know I'm a real, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm going to just keep it going. I'm glad that I know I'm a real, you know, I'm glad that I know no matter how much money you throw in front of me, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't, I can't have God look at me and be like, well, you know, when that time, when that time come and I got to go meet God. Okay. I, and God opened that book up and he's going through every aspect of my life saying, well, you knew that was wrong. 
but you still did it. Check. Your, your debits and credits. You saw that happen. You didn't do anything about it. Check. Like, nah, I don't want no checks, bro. Like, I don't want no checks. I can't have any checks on my, checks on my thing. I need to get into the gates. So, so with your when you start to have that awakening, which mm -hmm. it, it seems like when you stepped out, it wasn't because you hadn't found your lane and wanted to be the best version of helping people that you could, which is supposed to be the core of what a peace officer is supposed to do, quote, protect and serve. Uh, right. But you figured out that you had to get your way out. How did you first off start working through that mentally? And then for folks mm -hmm. that might be out there still trying to figure out their way out that are in a similar kind of play, how did you set yourself up financially to start making the transition? Absolutely. Um, for me, man, you know, when I got into law enforcement, I was 25. I'm 36 now. So I was, able, oh, I'm sorry, I was 24. I was able to, you know, I had about 20,000 saved up just like I said, I was, I was single, living at home at the time, working a bunch of overtime. So I was able to save up a little bit of money, right? So I knew in the back of my mind, I knew the day was going to come, you know, because, you know, I would be sitting in the mirror, you know, I'd be getting dressed at home or something before, you know, looking at them or putting on my uniform. And I would tell you, dude, more than 20 times, I mean, probably more than 30 times, dude, I've actually been buttoning up my shirt, put my vest on, buttoning up my shirt, crying, looking at myself in the mirror saying, CJ, what the fuck are you doing? And then going and do my 12 hour shift. Times and time and time I did that. But for me, man, it got to a point where, again, you know, my relationship with God supersedes anything financial, any, any relationship I could have, any kids, that supersedes anything right so again i know at the end of the day i'm going to have to answer for the things that i've done the things that i saw the things that i attested to the things that i you know the things that i was in court for i know that i'm going to have to test for those things right so i just kind of i just kind of put it in my mind that okay i know once i do leave this department i i know for sure my next two or three years is going to be the struggle of my life but i'm willing to take it on i'm willing to open that door and say okay whatever happens happens and again you know law enforcement isn't the end all be all you know, at the end of the day, it's a check. You know, at the end of the day, you get a you get a check every every other Friday like everybody else. So for me, I went into law enforcement thinking that I could make a difference. I was that I was that young, eager black dude that was like, you know what, I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna do this and do that. And um, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, once you get into that fraternity, um, <laughs> you go by their rules, right? You're just a, you're just the number. You're just the number on the totem pole, right? So you just go by their rules. And as you brought so up, there there's ways. For them to be able to float between the illegal activities for a legal cause and i'll just leave exactly it exactly exactly so yeah man, i just i just for me personally bro i just kind of prepared myself and you know, really just looked myself in the mirror and i have to be honest with myself you know at the end of the day if you're not honest with yourself you're not going to grow in life that's just life 101 okay you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself and i wasn't honest with myself so i knew that it couldn't go on you know i knew for those for those nerds and those geeks who were for the Dales who were long life. I want to be a cop, man. I want to do this. I love this. You know, not only was I taking a job from somebody from from one of them who somebody who would really truly actually make a difference for the positive. I wasn't giving it, you know, not that I wasn't giving it my all, but I wasn't fully two ten toes down, right? Because for me, you know, for me it was never a, it was never a career choice. It was a step. It was a stepping stone for to something else. It was never okay. I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to do my 25 years, retire. No, it was never that for me going into it. For me going into it, it was, I'm going to go in here, stay at home for a couple of years, stack my bread, get out and go live life. But see, a lot of folks don't look at it that way. 
or as you brought up earlier, they, and this might just be more of a socioeconomical kind of situation with how some of our folks came up, they start to go get things and acquire, quote, debt and assets that right. now they're locked in, not seeing that you're not going to have that same kind of passion to want to do that. To a lesser extent, you see that in Vegas. It, it, one of the toughest things that we used to see when we come home for Christmas break or come home for spring break were guys that decided not to go to college, regardless if they're going to go play a sport or not. They, mm-hmm. you know, they stayed here and at 18 years old, 19 years old, they're making pretty good money valeting cars or, you know, busting down dishes or, you know, hard right. heavy construction. And don't matter what industry you're in, to a point that you brought up earlier, that if it's what your dream, your goal is to do, once you find out that there's some some underbelly nastiness even in that industry, it mm-hmm. can end up taking your mind off of how long you really can see yourself doing it. And then on top right. of that, you, you know, you guys, as far as police officers, first responders, that's a physically demanding job. So your right. body eventually is going to break down. And Mm -hmm. while you're breaking your body down physically and in some ways, especially being a first responder or police officer, breaking your mental game down, is that dollar really worth it to where when you get into your your 50s and if you make it to your 60s, your quality of life really off of it. And I ain't talking about no damn pensions or retirement funds, that the true quality of your life is it worth it. And I would say no, you know, in that in that aspect, you know, um, some of the things you see, the things you experience, things you have to turn your back to, (laughs) the things you have to say did not happen and did happen or something like that it's not worth it man like i said at the end of the day for me it's always been about my relationship with god you know i don't want to be i never want to be that 56 year old dude thinking back about my career saying oh um you know that was a bad shooting or this or that or you know when when inherently in your heart people know you know you basically i mean you as an officer you know right from wrong um, but you feel protected with the badge so for me dude i i as far as transitioning out man i knew i was going to struggle for some years and I did, you know, I struggled for about two, three years and it was tough trying to, like I said, trying to find a job, trying to find something that's going to give me that same pay, that same gratification that I did for the time that I was an officer. So along here with this bus, that experience we just discussed, this is the reason why this bus is here today as we speak, because I told myself, I say, you know, God's the only one that's going to tell me what to do and when to do it. Anybody, you know, once I had that experience, you know, it was, it was, Richard saying your, you know, your lunch is at zero three. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do this. At the end of the day, dude, I'm like, look, I'm a, I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. You know, I understand this is a job, but it's just a job. You know, I don't, I never wanted to be told when to and how to for the rest of my life. Simple as that. And I guess, I, I guess that you could say that I'm stubborn. I guess you could say that I'm prideful, but I wanted to make my own way. I don't want to be, I don't want to be dependent. I don't want my wife, my kids, myself to be dependent off of another human being. I can take my happiness, take my freedom, take my mental at any time they want. So for me, it was, you know, for me, as far as getting into barbering, you know, getting into that, I said, I don't want a boss. I don't want to be told you need to come here at this time, this time, this time. So that's how barbering came about. I didn't, I did not want a boss. I don't want nobody telling me when I can and when I can't. Okay. And once I got a couple of years under my belt in barbering, I figured out, well, unfortunately, I'm still under somebody's direction, right? I still got to, and it's just small things, but you know, I, you know, I can't wear shorts inside the barbershop. Can't wear tank tops. I gotta, you know, you gotta be in by, if you do come into work, you gotta come in by a certain time. So there were other rules and everything that I still didn't feel fully free. I yeah, didn't feel- You created independence, feel, but you didn't have your freedom yet. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, you know, I, I, I've always been entrepreneur, dude. I've always been the type, like even back in college, I've always been the type man to just like, if I got, if, if I got an idea in my head, I'm gonna run with it until the door closes. You know, I'm gonna run with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go as far as it can take it until the door closes. 
shows, right? So once I, once I again, once barbering came about and I got into uh, sort of figuring out the business and things like that, I'm like, you know, now, now it became, now it became a money thing. Now it became, okay, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm great where I want to, I'm right where I want to be. I have my house, cars, all my stuff. Okay. Now I want in my life i want to obviously make more money so that was how the bus came about you know okay well i know that you're in those final stages of putting the bus together where after you know post rona where you can get it out in the streets and move around it'll be something a project that you went from start to finish and it's going to have a great impact not only in the community down in southern california but just it sounds like mentally for you and your your family you know, that's that's the biggest thing about it, man. Uh, having folks on For the Taste, to me, it's been important to bring on gentlemen and ladies that have a passion, have a story, and have a reason for why they're doing what they're doing. Regardless of their, their gender or even their color, it's important for them to be able to tell their story. And in a lot of the folks that do come on the pod, they are folks that are of color and they have diverse industry backgrounds. Just to kind of give the perspective of folks that listen, that we do have range and we do have skills that are outside of the norm. A lot of us had to use the same core skill sets to have that opportunity through the education or life lessons learned. Uh, you know, shouts out to Big, you know, either sling, crack rock, or you got a wicked jump shot. Unfortunately, that's what it used to be to be able to, for a lot of folks to even have a chance to then venture out to really show their minds and their skills. I just like being able to have conversations with folks that are showing people that they've been able to take what they've learned and still bring themselves into it and show others that you can find a way to be yourself and to have an entrepreneurial spirit however you get to it. So I salute you, bro. I appreciate you, uh, brother. You did it. Once you get that bus up and rolling, it would be interesting to actually make the roll down there to SoCal. I ain't going to give you exact location out until you want it to be out there. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and I'll, I'll load the mobile equipment up. We'll do a video off of it. Uh, that way it can be posted on to multiple platforms and be able to do our best to put out your project the best way we can. Before we clear this one, where would they be able to follow your message? Any words of wisdom that you would want to leave with some folks? Because of technology, same way that the music industry kind of blew up because of the access to technology. The podcast space has started to become that same way. And as long as you're bringing something of value into the world of podcasting and we're all welcome to be able to, to put our voices out there as long as you ain't sitting there putting out the negative you know connotations right, of what right. they think of us hey do what you're gonna do man yes sir continue the message and yeah once you get that bus set up you know get at me i said i'll make the trip down that way i'd love to be able to find a way to help put pieces together to make your project even greater because even from way well, back in the day out there in the coup you know you, you was always somebody that had that ambition and it's dope to see what you've done during that time yes sir you yes, know. sir. I know y'all too, man. So as we wrap this episode of For the Taste, make sure that you follow at For the Taste Show. Check out the new merch line that's dropping on www.forthetaste.com. Past episodes are available on the website. Follow on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, Stitcher, Spreaker, damn near anywhere that you can get podcast capabilities. Go on Podbean, follow the movement there. Continue to be safe out there. Do your best. Salute to the first responders for CJ the Barber. It's CJ on this side of it. Y'all be well, man. Till the next time. Yep.